Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider, that gentleman 1,800 miles south, southeast of me. Wait, uh, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. Are you south-southeast or just southeast? What do yeah. I always say? I think south-southeast. Okay. 1,600 miles, 1,800 miles. Ah, see? I got out of the whole rhythm of things, boys. I can't even, I can't even remember any of this stuff anymore. Oh well, I'm determined. (laughs) And we're not with each other. Not at all. (laughs) We're apparently out of sync because we're talking all over each other. (laughs) You're right. How the heck are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, I reckon. Well, I, I suppose that's better than our opening has been. So it can't be that bad. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that. It's, uh, I would assume, hot, hot, hot in the Dominican Republic. It is indeed toasty. So they tell me, no, go ahead. They tell me the weather is very cyclical here. We've been here over two years, and it seems to be the case where it just gets hotter and hotter and more still and no air and hotter and hotter, and then the rain comes in cools it down for some period of time, usually days or weeks. And holy crap, we've just not had any rain in a while and it's just roasting hot. Hmm. So if you're not having a lot of rain, which is surprising to me because this is your rainy season, isn't it? Uh, ish. Usually rains more and earlier in the year. Oh, like um, earlier as in January, February, March, or earlier as in June, July. February gets pretty pretty wet, uh, but in the really? in the spring, yeah, still March and April is pretty wet. Hmm. Well, you learn something every day. I uh, I thought uh, pretty much the November through February time periods and all the tropical areas were uh, drier, but apparently not the case. Yeah, you'd think, but it it gets just sloshy, muddy in the wintertime down here a lot. So do do the farmers, do the tobacco farmers typically start earlier? Are they, you know, going to look at planting in two months, right at the beginning of November, the end of October, or no, not the case? They'll be putting things into the field in October unless there's a serious variation in the weather patterns, like like last year. Fall was horrendous with the rain. We we had flooding and people's homes washed away and everything else, and so everything was delayed for weeks. And <laughs> honestly, I never spent much time talking with folks here to see exactly what went on. But there's a large series of tobacco fields that I drive past multiple times a week, and I was told they were owned by Davidoff, but I never have confirmed that. I'm going with it as true just because that's what somebody told me, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came through in the summer, like June, and were priming that 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 field. What? Yeah, which is completely off season. Yeah, um, I would say so. Absolutely. But wow. one half of the field immediately adjacent to the road we drive on was just left. I mean, there's still plants standing there right now, just died in the field. I don't know why they didn't harvest it, but. It was never collected. Wow, that's weird. That's very weird. weird. When there's, I don't know, maybe 20 acres of tobacco there. So are they, oh, it is absolutely tobacco. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a field of tobacco. It still, it still is a field of tobacco. It's just dead and brown now. Oh no, that's really weird. Huh. My okay. neighbor has absolutely forgotten how to close a gate. That's what the all this freaking banging and clanging going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. I don't even ask questions anymore. I don't I even. Somebody's chasing a goat or having a quinceanera or something like that. Well, that I can understand. Yeah, but all those things sound noisy. I can't imagine the goat thinks anything good is coming from it, and it's a quinceanera, so everybody goes crazy. Yeah, I mean, no, goats get nervous here. They have little—that uh, sounds weird—but they have little <laughs> lots around town where you go. I think I've talked about this before. You can you show up and talk to the guy running the place and tell him which goat you want. And he goes over and hacks at it with a knife and kills it and butchers it for you while you stand in wait. Goat pastor goat. um, uh, Oh, what the heck is it called? Jerk jerk goat. Yeah. Mm. Mostly. Do you hear this freaking joker over here? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Ah, it's funny. Um, Chibo Guisado, stewed goat. That's most commonly what we get. Either stewed or barbecued ribs, much like you would get in the Southwest, only they come from a goat instead of a cow. Huh. Well, I'll try anything once. I I like goat. It's actually pretty dang good if it's done right. If it's not done right, it's not. (laughs) I I believe that what I had was jerk goat. Uh, the last time I was in Grand Cayman, uh, I fairly certain it was goat. Yeah. It's pretty common. It's pretty good too. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I see, but good. I have not encountered all spice, the wood, the wood, the plant here, but that is the secret to really good jerk. I think you said that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, what are we smoking tonight? You know, I have absolutely no freaking clue. You want to know why? Uh, why? Because hey, it's an unbanded. Ah, but mine has a band on it. Yours is a, oh yeah, mine did have a band on it. Too. <laughs> All right, I was gonna say, well, that is really not fair. Kind of defeats the purpose of the unbanded segment. But hey. I I don't like being picked on. Stop it, DC. <laughs> well, yes, yeah. that uh, that kind of let the cat out of the bag. Mister Dan Crouch is uh, very kindly providing us with the unbanded cigars uh, for this evening's show. Which I don't know about you, but I was shocked and appalled when I saw that this is our thirty-first unbanded. That's mind blowing to me. Yeah, half of them are Cabaguan Maduros. <laughs> hey, I smoked one of those this week. Another one. Oh, yeah. Oh, did, did you know it at the time? I did know it, and I, I'm I'm, fairly certain people were playing dirty tricks on us with those other unbandaged, but that, uh, we'll talk about that later. Cool. Well, we, uh, we got an unbanded. You're hot. Um I am coming off of uh, my first cold of the season because the uh, the boy went back to school a couple weeks back, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, something like that. So, of course, he brought home a cold. 
Um, what else is going on for us? Do you have uh, any good cigars or any good uh, fun stories or anything that's happened? Uh, there's always a fun story, but I don't have anything off the top of my head. Maybe nothing too exciting. Like. You know what? I got something that uh, that involves you that's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, your uh, your road going up the mountain is getting paved. It's going to be easier for you to get to uh, the uh, the compo. Yeah, amazing. Like this this road, which at times was more akin to a dry riverbed than a road. I mean, we when we were first going up there. It was, I mean, it was we called it a road, but we were driving over you know, literally over boulders half the road and ditches and trenches and canyons we had to go through and but they have been working for a couple of months now um fixing this road and they have widened it and leveled it and compacted it and they do a lot of crazy things i don't understand but i don't ask questions much anymore um probably a good idea yeah and i genuinely think they're going to pave this road and i am dumbfounded but more than excited about it well, it's uh, it's a good thing because I gotta imagine that. Uh, well, I suppose I'm peeking ahead to the first item that we have written down for news, but they kind of seem like they're a regular staple for you. Oh, the the compost cigars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I I think uh, we should open up now. Anybody from the government, don't listen to this, but. We should open up a little uh, half-ashed cigar store where you can sell these things for 50 cents a piece. You make a fortune if you can sell these for 50 cents a piece. <laughs> hey, man, anybody who says 1,200% uh, profit is a bad thing is, uh, it doesn't need to be involved in this, apparently. Yeah, because I'm knocking them down at $0.04 cents a piece. That's just shocking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. And like I said, I think they're even tobacco now. <laughs> no, no. Shh. We're supposed to be selling these. Don't say they weren't tobacco. <laughs> We're going to have to charge 40 cents a piece, Kip. Stop it. No, it's a very exclusive, highly sought after plantain leaf that was in there originally. You know, there are some pretty wicked rumors in... Uh, uh, about the Cuban cigar industry in 98, 99, 2000, 2001, that mm-hmm. quite a few cigars that were produced were produced with some plantain leaves uh, that were not all tobacco. Wow. Well, I seem to have heard those rumors before, but I just chalked it up to Bob McDuffieism. Well, I, I suppose you get uh, anybody who's bitter, you'll hear <laughs> stories like that. And, uh, <laughs> perhaps not know how legitimate they are, but I have heard them from numerous people and I've even heard them from uh, very pro Cuban people who have not so much said, Oh yeah, that's what they did, but said that um, a, a banana leaf for lack of a better term can at times be mistaken for a tobacco leaf when processed uh, in a manner that would make it look similar. And the flavor is not off putting or even, strikingly different you're not going to have complexity and flavor and sweetness like you would from tobacco but it's something that could pass for a bland or boring version of tobacco when intermixed or intermingled well uh, the people listening are not clued into the story i was telling you before we were recording but 
I'm not even clued into it. What the heck are you going to talk about? No, that they actually smell like tobacco now. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, My friend Nick and I were coming down the mountain Wednesday, and I stopped and bought some at the little store where they kill pigs and chase chickens around and fight roosters every Thursday night. And, uh, <laughs> that, that's not illegal here. That's perfectly legal and conducted all over the country. Oh my gosh. But they have put together a ramshackle arena, this circle. They built this big wooden circle. It's maybe 15 or 20 feet across and that's the ring. And they <laughs> fabricated things that are chair-like around it. And so I've never gone up there for chicken fights, but they have every week. Anyway, that's completely not oh part of this. Gosh. We, uh, everybody listening has heard me talk about these cigars for months now, and they literally are about four cents a piece. They're you know, a dollar for 25 of them or the equivalent of a dollar, <laughs> 45, 50 pesos, depending on who's running the store that day. Jeez. And, they at times have had some peculiar textures and aromas, but we we stopped and I bought some this week and I pulled them out of the little sack they put them in, and it literally smelled like a cigar factory. It smelled like tobacco, and I made the joke to my friend Nick that we had bought so many of them that people could afford to actually put tobacco in them now. <laughs> they're smoking like a dream. I have one I had earlier. I'd started. I haven't finished yet. But there's not a great deal of aging and processing involved in these cigars uh, to the point that say. Nick had a bundle of them a couple months ago now that were sticky. Just like, like what in the world is on these? Are we we're going to die from smoking these things? <laughs> so our friend William was like, no, no, no. That just, that's just because they use really young tobacco and it's still still got a lot of its juice it's blood in, in the leaves each cigar weighs 80 grams <laughs> yeah we were like well <laughs> thought they were a little hard to keep lit but at least they're brown they're, they're not green <laughs> i'm surprised they are hard to keep lit all the uh, oils in there would go up like a torch yeah you'd think <laughs> uh well i'm but uh i'm glad current, it'll be a little safer for you to get them now at least yeah current batch is great the, the road is a freaking dream to drive right now in comparison to what it has been. <laughs> uh, the, the things you don't even imagine when you live in America. Like, just, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Oh, well. It, is, well, it uh, makes, makes it interesting anyway. If this, uh, if this opening hasn't told you guys anything, we were a little bit uh, on the edge of our seat tonight in terms of what's going to fill the time. There's, there's oh. not a whole heck of a lot going on, I think. Uh, Officer Paul in the chat room says, put him down for a box of 10. <laughs> <laughs> He'll ship you the dime. A couple of things. One, there's no box. No box. There, there's usually a brown strip of paper wrapped around a bundle of 25. Oh, and I wow. thought, oh, well, that's cool. They got craft paper or whatever wrapped around the first time I bought them. And I, <laughs> I tore the paper and pulled it off, and it was an old cement bag that they had just cut into strips. <laughs> <and paper. laughs> I flipped the paper over, and, and there was the uh, 
the CMEX, which is a Mexican cement company, the logo right on the back of the paper. Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, for four cents, you don't got much room to complain, though. <laughs> and worth every penny. Oh, I love it. Are you guys the only people who go buy these things? I don't know, but we have talked about that quite a bit, that we may have created an artificial demand for these things because it's not <laughs> not like this is a high-traffic area. It's pretty well out of the way. There's nobody there but the people that live there. Uh, that's the funny. only other person we've seen smoking them is this old lady. They call her, could you just call her the vieja, the old lady? But her name is Fajita. And she's of indeterminate age, but well, well into her 80s. And the lady Two or walks, walks all over these mountains. I, I mean, she would give 20-year-olds a run for the money on hiking these mountains. We, we see her all over the place. And she has a pipe, and she sticks one of those cigars down in the pipe and just walks oh, get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is picture-worthy. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. She, she's, she is, she's a character. She loves to give <laughs> you a, a hug and a kiss, and the whole side of your head's wet when she's done kissing on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, hey, before we uh, we smoke this entire cigar, what do you say we give initial impressions on it? Yeah, we probably should. I'm a third of the way through it at this point. I, I think I'm halfway through it. I started early. I... Uh, I will give you some quick dimensions on this bad boy. We were just under five inches, about four and seven eighths by eh, 48, 50, somewhere in that range. So we'll call it a traditional Robusto. Uh, definitely seems like a traditional Robusto. So that's uh, that's good. I don't really like my cigars much larger than this. It is definitely um, dry. It is definitely kind of craggy. Not a super high quality wrapper, but not as thick as what I would call like a uh, a broadleaf or a San Andres that has some similarities in appearance, um, but is substantially thicker or uh, a meatier wrapper. This just kind of seems like maybe a you know a poorly graded Habano wrapper that's taken a fair bit of fermentation. It's my wrapper is very very thin. Yeah, the same here. I have a crowd walking the street. Oh, that quinceanera we were talking about earlier has started? No, I think it's a Haitian work group. Um, well, so the uh, uh, the cigar to me is tasting pretty one note. I'm not getting a lot of complexity from it, but what I am getting is a real mild sweetness, um, a nice tobacco core, a real kind of hint of citrus to it with maybe just a little bit of like a, a Nicaraguan, you know, the, the Dale Roush Nick Zing. Um, it kind of has some very typical Nicaraguan flavors. I'm not sure if it's a hundred percent yet, but I'm definitely getting Nicaragua. Um, it has kind of that prototypical new school Nicaraguan flavor to it. Um, I don't know. It's a little drying on my palate, but I've taken to uh, uh, Trader Joe's. Um, gosh, what is it called when it's lemon beer? Radlers? Uh, I don't have any idea. Uh, like citrus beer is uh, like a German thing called Radlers or something. And so this is a lemon beer. 
that I'm having with it to kind of brighten it up. And I don't know if that's kind of drying me out or the cigar, but those are those are kind of the initial impressions that this thing's given me over the last 45 minutes or so. I've been smoking it. I'm with you very, very much so with your description of it and the citrus especially, but it's a a sweet orange kind of citrus and it's very, very soft. There's no no uh, tart, tartness, <laughs> tartacity. I don't know the word for that. Um, it, it's, it's very soft kind of citrus. Almost like you know, a, I don't know the word either, Kip, but I'm pretty sure it's not tartacity. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm carrying that over from my attempts at learning Spanish because in Spanish, you can take a verb and make it into a noun and change the endings or whatever, and everybody knows exactly what you're saying. If that's not <laughs> an existing word, it just works. You can do that, and, and we do it constantly, and people are like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it actually it's the, the kind of citrus that I remember as a very small child with those little orange baby aspirin, that really mm. sweetened kind of orange flavor to it but it's burning perfectly I mean, it seems to be very well built uh, i put in the notes that it was really light in the hand I, you said yours drew a little uh, freely mine is drawing perfectly although i i was afraid before i cut it uh, because it was so lightweight um i'm not having the drying effect but maybe that'll come along you are a little further along than me well and it, it you know it's it's not improbable that the the Rattler has something to do with it. Um, you know, something else that I will say about this thing is um, I am absolutely getting pieces of tobacco in my mouth. Um, and I thought initially that that had more to do with the fact that it was such a light roll. There was no resistance on this draw at all. Um, but now the draw is definitely tightened up and I'm still getting those little pieces. I, I would not doubt if this, you know, just kind of looking here. I would not doubt if that's a sandwich cigar. I can pull out or, you know, short fill, uh, hand rolled, hand finished short fill cigar. I don't know. One or the other. There's pieces to it for me. I've had no pieces come out of this thing. None. Zero. Hmm. Of course, I may have had a few residual pieces from the previous cigar well yeah <laughs> but no no i haven't had had that at all at least not yet hmm. well i uh i'm not really sure what's going on with this but it, it, it seems kind of like it's uh like it might be a sandwich hmm. we'll, we'll see yeah we shall see mine uh, i made this comment before we started when I was first lighting the cigar and at just first blush, first couple puffs said that it was one of the better unbandeds uh, that I've had in quite some time. And I, it's not, it's no longer, it's not wowing me, but it is a good solid cigar. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You know, along those lines, I'm not trying to compare this to a, a Cabo Gon Maduro, but it reminds me of a Cabo Gon Maduro in that it's not a stellar cigar with a unique flavor. Um, you, that, you are just saying that just in case, because we've been burnt so many times with it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll come right out and say it does not taste like a Cabo Gon Maduro. I had one this week, so I can compare. Although we've had 
two Cabogon Maduros that have made us uh, a little red in the face, so you never know. But um, I, I don't think that's what this is. I think the count is actually three. Is it really? Yeah, I believe it is. Oh, and it's still funny, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, hey, people want to send us pathways to smoke that more power to them. Yeah, I can't say I'm upset about that. No. Um, well, so that that's where I'm at. Nicaragua, um, definitely that citrus kind of softer flavor. Um, definitely enjoyable, but not. This is a cigar that would be like a, a an everyday type cigar in that it's not unique. It's just that perfect accompaniment. That's that's kind of the, the impression I'm left with. Very good. Not going to disappoint, except I don't like the tobacco in my mouth. Hmm. You know, I, I'm, uh, I go along with you with the Nicaraguan origin, but I, I think there's at least a, a decent amount of Dominican tobacco in it. And I don't usually go out on a limb like that this early in a cigar <laughs> or later for that matter. But it just has that, that feel to it. That, that citrus flavor, I get a lot from some Dominican tobaccos. That's funny because I, I think that it's the citrus flavor is coming across like I see new school Nicaraguan cigars. Like it's that Nick Zing that I'm talking about. I don't, I don't know if I... I don't know. Maybe I could go Dominican. I'll, I'll see how it finishes. Yeah, but you know, I don't think so. Uh, where is it? One of the other tobacco-producing countries that is lesser used. Uh, I don't. It's Colombia, Costa Rica, one of those countries that that produce tobacco, but not really, or something you come across every day. One of those has a strong orange flavor to me, and now I can't even remember. It's been so long. Hmm. I, that's that's an interesting one. I would not have gone there, but yeah, I'm not reaching my neck out for that. But <laughs> I like to prattle on at times. Yeah, yes, you do. Says the guy who is known for that. All right. Well, we uh, we we don't have a whole ton of news, but. Folks, I'm sure we can guarantee you some more about cigars and uh, a wee bit of laughter. So why don't you stick around, and it'll sure to be another fun night of conversation with friends here on Half Ashed. So let's get started with what news we do have, my man. If, if not laughter for you, the listener, at least laughter for me. <laughs> well, I actually, our first story is a non-story about not having a lot of stories. Um, just made some, made some notes in the notes that quiet times are upon us. There's there's not a great deal of huge changes. I mean, we've talked about a few. We've had you know a new association firing up. We've got Davidoff making some staffing changes at at the higher levels and that kind of thing. But but not really a huge amount of really big news stories in the boots-on-the-ground cigar world uh, outside of what has become uh, the anthem or the theme for the cigar industry post-August of 2016. And that's motorcycles. We we want to talk about motorcycles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, what was I getting at? The, The 
there's a, a now a near constant parade of cigars that when the companies realize that hey august the 8th 2016 is a big day that that's could possibly be the last chance if we don't get something in the market before then we're not going to be able to put it in the market after uh, nothing new anyway and so last year in a rush to get these things into the hands of consumers at least in a large enough capacity to declare it had been launched before that date there were oh, dozens and dozens and dozens of cigar lines shipped out to one or two retailers and then they just went away there were no subsequent you know orders produced or or anything at all but those are now making their way out and then there's a near constant parade of them and I guess because of the nature of the beast, none of them have really just caught my eye. And I, I thought, oh, wow, that's that's amazing and innovative and something new and an awesome experiment. I just got to try. There's not a lot of that. Um, but I also tempered that comment with the fact that maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety and jaded and 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 maybe a little more distant because I'm enjoying my four cent cigars these days, but no, I, I, I well, finish your thought, but I'll respond to that. Well, and I'm not, I'm not poo pooing on the idea of these. I just, it just seems like if we talk about every one of these cigars, how many of them are even going to be, put in the market in a real in a substantial quantity and how many were just safety nets just the backup just in case they were needed how many are going to launch and oh realize oh well this may have been a little rushed or a little whatever and it's not really successful i, I guess i'm watching with a tainted eye but just want to see what's going to happen with these long term more long term than right now well what i'll say to that is more um kind of addressing what you had said two minutes ago where you, were, you know, weren't really sure if this is because you're more crotchety or you're disconnected or this that and the other thing <laughs> you're just going to say yes <laughs> obviously that's the case no i i don't what do i what do i want to specify here I'm not disconnected. I'm still going to shops. I'm still meeting with friends to have cigars. I'm still smoking cigars. I'm still doing a cigar podcast. I'm still on social media. And I'm still in one of the largest cities in the United States, generally. Um, I see the industry in a lull. I see the industry having not so much... um, shall we call this the dark ages? You know, I, I mean, if, if five years ago was the golden age of cigars, are we kind of in the, the dark ages right now? Because we have so many people who are afraid to, to have additional development and additional releases and put a lot into expanding or doing anything new or different. And who, who would blame them? We have an industry that's, in, for the entire length that the cigar industry has been around, no matter where it has been around, it has been very conservative. You haven't seen 
uh, a whole lot of this industry go out and start to be, you know, hey, let's push the envelope. Let's be edgy. You know, we had 10 years ago, well, now 14 years ago, 2003, Tatuaje came out. Yeah, 2003. You had the first emergence ever. If you look back on a lot of the uh, the historical documents about the cigar industry, both in Havana and Key West and Ybor City and now Esteli and Don Lee and and Santiago, you you have really this one emergence of being fresh and new and funky and a whole new breath blown into the industry ten years ago. Well when it's coming time for them to almost pass the torch or start seeing the next generation, you're not seeing it. We're stagnating. We're not getting that next generation of folks now because there's no way that they could make it. They probably couldn't get a small business loan. There's probably not this whole push for the younger generation to come out and, and, and dive into cigars because they're not as available. They're not as able to be marketed to. They're not really as, as they're not really the focus right now. I don't feel like generating new smokers is as much of the focus of the industry as perhaps it has been in the past. And that's just because of the time that we're in. Is the industry going to be here in five years? We really don't even know. So for August of 2017 to, to essentially be the doldrums, the, you know, the, uh, uh, the dark times, it's, it's not surprising. We were bound to get there sooner or later. And I think we saw so much uh, of the, the accelerated releases, like what you're talking about, to try to get out ahead of some of the FDA dates that, that were out there. And now since they're out there and IPCPR is six weeks gone, um, there's, there's not a whole heck of a lot going on. It's, it's really like, I mean, it's really like the, the dark times in the cigar industry, usually in spring but now we're getting to it in late fall. I'm sorry, in late summer. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about, you know, 10 to 15 years ago was, was a Renaissance that was brought about after the boom started to collapse. When, you know, I began part of my jadedness, my jaded dacity was because I started smoking cigars just before the boom really kicked in. And I started to get more cigars that were just, just weren't good. They were just thrown together and stuck in the marketplace because they would sell because there were people buying them. It didn't really matter. People were not as educated at the time. They didn't have the resources to be and people would buy cigars because they were cigars because that's what people did in the late mid to late nineties. Yeah. And it polluted the market. And, 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 you know, at some point, every fad and, and much of that was a fad at the time that, you know, it, some of us have hung around and persisted, but a lot of their popularity in that during the boom was, was a fad. And it was something that just went away for a lot of people that smoke cigars. They just quit because it wasn't their thing. And then I think it was kind of like a Renaissance this time period you're talking about. And now we seem to have other things, other, you know, outside forces that are pressuring the industry that are going to make it tough and just dang near impossible for the little guy to, to grow or, or even get into the market if they don't exist already. So it's a big, you know, who in their right mind is going to go start a cigar company right now? 
and I'm sure there's some guys going to do it and try it and there are new ones popping up, but it's not an optimistic time to do that anyway. Yeah. I, you bring up a really good point. I am a product of the cigar boom. Um, I don't think I am smoking cigars because of the boom, but I, I was of that generation who, of that generation who was influential in the Renaissance. I'll put it that way. Um, who started smoking cigars in the nineties. I turned 18 in the nineties. Um, got into cigars uh, more because of my dad than popularity. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that I came of age in cigars when some of these companies started coming around 2003, 2004, the first cigar shop that I really, really um, frequented uh, that I worked at for no money that I worked at just to work at, to be at a cigar store that I made friends and tried incredibly rare, unique cigars that I'll never see again. Um, I, I grew up in that period with these guys who were also growing up. The 2003 uh, emergence of Tatuaje was eye-opening to me and mind-blowing to me because somebody was doing something who, you know, I, I was in my 20s. He was also in his 20s or maybe even very early 30s. Um, I saw Pete Johnson more as a peer than I did as, oh, you know, one of those Cuban cigar makers that's been doing it forever in his 74th generation or something, you know, like it, it was, it was much more of an experience for me, much uh, aligned with what you're discussing. Well, who are those people who are smoking cigars now and getting passionate about it and getting ready to get into the industry? And we just don't have them. Yeah. They're vaping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, it's very weird to think about it in those terms. Are, is this now, you know, what happened to the pipe industry in the sixties? Yeah, late sixties, early seventies, it began a very clear descent. But it's arguable that that kind of reversed over the past five years, but. I would strongly argue that that's not the case, even with growth in the pipe tobacco market. I, th I personally, just from anecdotal observation, believe much of that growth is because of the roll your own cigarette guy selling their tobacco as pipe tobacco. I think that's a big part of that growth. I don't think it's genuinely all the pipe tobacco makers that are growing. I don't see sure. that happening. Sure. No, that that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what happened in Florida. Uh, Florida still has today has no cigar tax in addition to uh, sales tax, but they have tax heavy tax on cigarettes and now pipe tobacco. And this transpired in two thousand nine ish. When with the first round of S chip was that two thousand nine, two thousand eleven, somewhere around. There? Uh, I think two thousand nine. What about that time? a new uh, significant tax was being implemented on cigarettes and the people who made roll your own cigarettes realized a couple of things. One, Hey, the, if we sell this as roll your own, it is in a cheaper tax situation because it's not a manufactured cigarette. And two, if we call this pipe tobacco, it's not even cigarette tobacco. So we don't have, 
an, an, another tax. And instead of fixing that loophole, Florida's legislature said, okay, fine, man, screw it. We'll just charge pipe tobacco the same tax. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, people buying pipe tobacco at that time for about 25 bucks a pound saw it jump to 50 something bucks a pound overnight. That'll uh, shoot you in the foot, won't it? Uh huh. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I sure hope that we don't see that in the cigar industry because while it would be nice to not necessarily have all the, uh, I don't want to say competition for cigars, but there have been times in the past when I've been interested in something and haven't been able to get it. Or I would go to my local shop and they'd say, no, we can't get that. Um, it would be nice if that sort of a thing wasn't happening. But you know, with the numbers comes power. So there is definitely benefit to, uh, to having a larger, more healthy industry um, that I think we would all be nuts to, to want to throw away or not be worried if we would lose it. Yeah. For, uh, for a company, I mean, cigar companies, we're all a grand brotherhood and manhood, womanhood, sisterhood, whatever. We're a, a big community. We love community. We talk about community all the time. But cigar companies still have to be companies. They have to make money or they won't stay in business. And if there's no market there, then those kinds of things are going to go away. There's not going to be innovation and new product because there's not enough market to support it. And I know at least one very prominent, well-known cigar family who has the next generation queued up to take over. But... They've told me clearly and without mincing any words that this next generation, these children are going to get their degrees in other related fields. It doesn't matter that they're expecting and planning and going to take over this company. We want them to be prepared to do something else because we don't have the faith that the industry is going to survive into their you know, older age. Hmm. Boy, that's scary. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's nice though, and I'll tell you why. Chances are the industry is going to survive, and these companies are going to survive in one way, shape, or form. If that mentality is occurring, maybe not across the board, but in more than one occasion or instance, I should say, um, maybe we're going to have a situation where the next generation comes in a little later, but they come in a little less headstrong, a little more business savvy, but still with the passion and understanding and can possibly put something together that's, hell, uh, sustainable. You know, maybe we have an industry where there isn't a, uh, a, a snarky saying that says, how do you make a million dollars in a cigar in, in the cigar industry? Start with 10 million. You know, it's... It, you know, maybe we'll have that situation where how do you make a million dollars in the cigar industry? Start with a hundred thousand. Maybe you can get there someday. You never know. Right. And, and it's like anything else. There's some degree of Darwinism within the cigar world. Just like any other industry, the, the stronger, better positioned companies are going to survive. Mm-hmm. Tobacco, tobacco has been banned before 500 years ago, 400 years ago. It was outright banned in the UK or what is, what is today the UK. Yeah. It survived that. 
and it's essentially banned again today, but that's a whole nother story. Hmm. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we're here. We'll keep talking about it. We'll keep uh, reporting on it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to stop loving cigars, you know, we'll see how it goes. Right. You can't just throw in the towel at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I know guys, could, but <laughs> I know guys that are growing tobacco in the backyard and throwing it in the cigars that I can enjoy for four cents. So I'm not too <laughs> worried about them. Hmm. Well, you know, we shall see. Yeah. Well, our next uh, little item, I'm going to hand off to you because you're much more well-versed than I and uh, maybe on a little more somber note, but uh, I'll pass that off on to you. Well, thank you, sir. I I wish I could say that I had uh, firsthand knowledge or dealings with uh, the subject of the next story, but um, I do not. I have a very long-standing um, history of secondhand information about uh, the gentleman, the legend, uh, one would say in the cigar industry, named Sir David Tang. Um, he passed away this past week. At the, the very young age of 63, he, he passed on from liver cancer. Um, and he really helped pave the way to what is uh, the modern cigar industry in Hong Kong, uh, China as a whole, but Hong Kong um, is where he's from and where he essentially based his company companies. Um, Sir David, I suppose would be the proper way to address him, um, has probably his, his most influential impact on the cigar industry, having been by forming the Pacific Cigar Company. Um, the PCC is, I believe, I believe the largest cigar distribution organization in the world, largest Cuban cigar distribution organization. And he started that in, I, I think, 1992, um, in Hong Kong. And, uh, he absolutely exploded upon the industry. Um, now Hong Kong is recognizes being a worldwide leader in uh, the Cuban cigar consumption. Um, not only does this work with mainland uh, Asia, but also we talked last show, I believe, about um, Rabaella and Cigar Czar or Friends of Abanos, whatever the different iterations of his company have been named. Um, he sources all of his cigars from Pacific Cigar Company. Sir David has been someone who has not only just been a personality for the cigar industry, but also um, he has written for years and years in the financial times. Um, he started a private club in Hong Kong, which there are some very interesting stories about back in the early, early nineties when there was a much more political strife in that region. Um, he started this club in a building that was synonymous uh, for some political dealings and, I've heard, I've read some interviews and some stories this week about how that was all planned. There was intention on, on kind of 
raising the eyebrow of of locals or of cigar smokers to just get the name out there to to raise awareness of of what it was that he was doing this club that he was building and then ultimately the cigar industry that he that he jumped into um just a a an absolute legend in the industry especially the cuban cigar industry uh not being from the manufacturing side you know, one might say um, you you have other legends, an American legend maybe being Marvin Schenken, a uh, British legend being, um, oh, gosh, I'm going to forget his name. Obviously, he's not that big of a legend, one would say. Uh, it, 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 regardless of that, um, David Tang's passing this week, earlier in the week, has rocked a lot of people. Um he truly, truly left a mark on the industry. He left a mark on many, many consumers in the industry. Um, and he absolutely will be missed. One of his uh, largest kind of, I shouldn't say largest, one of his most well-known impacts on the Cuban cigar industry besides Pacific Cigar uh, was um, a private, offering of cigars or a private blend of cigars known as uh, Tangs, oddly enough. Um, They were, some people said, uh, a very custom version of the H. Upman uh, blend that were released in the 90s. uh, And they were by far the best Upmans that I've ever smoked. I'm not an Upman fan, but these things were phenomenal. Um, and they're just your traditional Upman sizes. He commissioned the version of the blend and uh, didn't put too terribly much fanfare out, but they instantaneously became uh, cornerstones of the special private collectible um, industry. If if uh, if they're ever even available now, I can guarantee that they will sell for many times over what they were available for in the late 90s. Um, just kind of a an odd fun story or fun uh, thing to be remembered for is your name on a cigar or being synonymous with uh, a breathtaking world beating cigar that were the uh, Tang Monarchas um, and Tang number twos. And I believe there were two other Vitolas available too, but um, David Tang's passing this week took a lot of people by surprise. I for one did not know that he was even sick um, though. Those who knew him were aware that this was happening. Uh, I think Two months ago or so, he um, called together a farewell party uh, in his own honor um, to essentially be the last time that he was uh, that he was going to be able to party and and say hello and ultimately say goodbye to some of his dearest friends. So, um, and that name I was looking for was uh, Simon Chase out of Great Britain. He's another. Um, uh, cornerstone of the industry, the Cuban cigar industry that is not in the manufacturing side of things. Uh, he was uh, involved for many, many years with the distrib- distributor in Britain, Hunters and Franco. So he will be missed uh, by very many. And this is certainly not his finest send off, but uh, I do not intend it to be one that is any less uh, impassioned or honest than uh, than any of the best. So, we bid him farewell. Oh, man, oh, man. Well, to jump on to uh, 
another little item that we've actually talked about a couple of times, the uh, La Aurora ADN, which is the uh, Spanish abbreviation, acronym. It's not really an acronym, I suppose, but the uh, Spanish way of saying DNA. Um, I talked about this quite some time back. Uh, been a few months ago now, I suppose. Um, back in April or May, maybe they kind of hit the shelves here. And initially, there were no plans to launch it in the U.S., but uh, this has now made its way to American shores and is now available there. Um, and what we're talking about is a new cigar from La Aurora. Uh, and the reason it's called DNA or, or Dominican DNA is because it showcases or features a very specific tobacco that, that is grown here. Uh, it's not grown on a large scale or commercially. It's actually grown for the most part in the compo in the places like where I buy these little four cent cigars and the tobacco is called Andujo. Um, and it's, it's grown and, and held and stored and kept in these big thatch tubes called Jaguas. And they, I have a picture I can try to share possibly. Um, my friend Nick, who I just talked about a little while ago, and I went to uh, uh -oh, went to uh, the La Aurora factory once again uh, back in May, I guess, and saw these jaguars. And if I can get there from here, hi, a picture of a tree. There, can you see that at all? I can yes i can yeah that is nick standing beside some of these jaguars and if you can see my mouse pointer these things are nick's not a real tall guy these are probably a little over six feet uh six and a half feet maybe and they take these thatch tubes and they close up the ends of them and bind them very tightly with a cord uh with a a, a vine i suppose um and it actually reminds me of a uh, tobacco from St. James Parish, Louisiana, called Perique, which is mostly used for pipe tobacco or uh, American spirit cigarettes, Native American cigarettes. Um, wait, wait, wait. Perique is used in American spirit? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Huh. <laughs> I don't know if this is still the case, but for many, many years, American spirit bought the entire crop of Perique every year, and what was known as Perique and pipe tobacco was almost always uh, Kentucky Green River Burley. It was just processed the same way as Perique. Hmm. Um, technically, what should be called Perique is, has to come from St. James Parish, Louisiana, but it commonly was not back in the day. Um, but it's put into these tubs and they have a press which they tighten down and, and ferment this tobacco under a great deal of pressure. And not the Jaguars don't produce that kind of pressure, but it's, it's similar process. And it's commonly sold in the compo out of these tubes, out of the Jaguars where they just, you know, pull some out and you tell them you want, you know, an ounce or whatever. And they just start cutting until they get however much you want and you buy it. Um, and it's commonly smoked in pipes here, but they are using it in this cigar, uh, which is why they call it the Dominican DNA, because this, this tobacco is only from here. It's, it's not 
grown and processed and handled in other places, at least not yet. Um, and I don't know that it ever will be. It's been used a couple times in the past. Um, Project 805, I think it was, the Phillips and King owned company, um, put out a cigar that had this several years ago. Uh, what I thought was funny is at that time, the cigar was marketed as a very special, rare tobacco. And this, this particular tobacco, Andujo, was sold cheap in the compo. It's not seen that way by the general populace here. Um, but anyway, it has a leaf of that in the filler. And and that's the I'm looking here. It has a Dominican wrapper uh, from the Cibao Valley, which doesn't really tell you much of anything because half the country is the Cibao Valley. Um a Cameroon binder and a filler that is Dominican, Nicaraguan, and Pennsylvania uh, tobacco with a leaf of Andujo, which is, of course, also Dominican. Um, I, I put in the notes, I got maybe some mixed feelings. I like the idea. I think it's neat. I'm kind of fascinated by it. I, I even like the cigar, and I sent you a couple of them and tried not to influence you much, but I don't think it's going to unseat your favorite cigar. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be uh, in your wheelhouse. Um, oh boy. It's very different from a typical Dominican cigar. It's very, very different. It's not like any other, uh, um, La Aurora product I've ever smoked. And I've smoked a lot of them. Um, I like them. I, I, I like them as a diversion or an occasional cigar. I, I would not ever consider this being my everyday go-to cigar. Um, but it's enjoyable in its own right for what it is. But I, I guess the mixed feelings part was uh, I, I put in the notes. I'm not sure about its identity. You know, it it has a leaf of Andujo in it. It is not to me, to my taste, and you know, I know nothing. I'm just a hillbilly. Um, it, 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 the flavors of the cigar are not the flavors of smoking Andujo tobacco alone i mean it, it doesn't really pull out and and it's my word showcase it doesn't showcase that tobacco because it kind of maybe floats a little bit further back it's not up front and prominent in the blend in this cigar um and again just anecdotal just my experience just my opinion make it yours um Coming in four Vitolas, uh, five by 50 Robusto, five and three quarter by 54 Toro, seven by 47 Churchill, which actually is, is a Churchill, isn't it? It is. Wow. And a Gran Toro, which is six by 58. And they're ranging in the U.S. market from seven to a little over nine dollars a piece. Um, this is actually a very rare cigar in that they can be had cheaper here. Um, because of the tax situation, most Dominican cigars, most Dominican cigars cost far more here than they did in Florida. For me, it drives me freaking nuts. Move to a cigar country. <laughs> cigars are more expensive. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I would recommend anyone try it. I would not recommend everyone go buy a box up until you try it. So... What cigars have you had that are primarily uh, this Andujo tobacco? Well, there's not very many of them because it's not typically used in cigars. I have smoked it in a pipe alone. Didn't and, 
uh, maybe I misheard you. Didn't you say that it's not available in many cigars before, implying that it was available in some, or should I it, not? It was. It was in. It was in the Andujo, the Project Eight Hundred Five, or whatever they called it, from uh, through a number, a hierarchy of companies. It's owned by Phillips and King, which is a wholesale distributor in California. Um, but they put a cigar out several years ago that had it in it. But I think, just from my memory, which is tainted by a tumor, uh, I I remember that cigar being even less prominent with what I now know as unusual. Hmm. But I do have to say, we just spent a lot of time talking about uh, maybe some discouraging times for companies to try something new or try to be innovative. This cigar is very much outside. La Aurora's normal operations. It's 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 a different cigar than what typically comes in a box with the La Aurora logo on it. I can understand that. Yep, I, I yeah. see what you're saying, and you know it 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 should be recognized for uh, what it is, especially when 15 minutes ago we went on a rant saying that it's not a good time to do that, and that nobody is, and we're getting into the dark ages. That's a yeah. very valid point. And, and I, I truly, when I say everyone should try it, it's, it's worth a try because there are going to be people who really dig this cigar. I like it, but I'm not going to go kill myself to, you know, establish a large stockpile of them. But I'll keep some around. I, I would not hesitate to buy them. And in fact, the, the dang grocery store I shop at now has them. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, I uh, thank you for not influencing me at all by saying that you don't think it's a cigar that I'm going to like very much. <laughs> by the that way, is the, that is the most tame thing I can say. <laughs> I'm not sure that it is. I do not think that means what you think it means. <laughs> well, um, it's the most tame thing I can say in telling this little story about this cigar. I mean, I. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, we'll see. It's queued up to be a show cigar. Yeah, very true. Very true. Well, uh, you know, we shall see. I'm not going to go into it looking to be upset. I have absolutely adored some cigars from um, uh, La Aurora in the past. It's possible I'll like this one. I do appreciate people trying to branch out and do things a little bit different, you know, no doubt about it, but um, and, whether and it uh, falls into that category, I, I, I don't know. Same here. I think this is a, I think it's a cool project. Uh, I really, that's a genuine statement. I think it's a good move. I like it. Well, all righty. I'll, uh, I will reserve my final thoughts for when it is a show cigar. I do have to say they've been consistent. I've had several now, and they're, they've been indistinguishable one from another. You know, here's a, a related question, and I had wanted to move on from that, um, but this is interesting enough to want to ask it again. Of all the Andujo that, that you've had, has it all tasted the same? Yeah, for the most part, and I think a lot of that comes from uh, the processing. It, I think, I don't know how I'm not a chemist or an agronomist, uh, but I think 
whatever they're doing gives it something distinct in terms of its flavor. And, and I would say the exact same thing for Perique, which is you know similar but different process. And Perique is very uh, noticeable. It's, it's a condiment tobacco where if you get a pipe tobacco with Perique in it, you typically see three to 5% of the blend is Perique and it's, it's noticeable. You know, it's there. It's not a secret. Um, and then you got guys like Alistair Crowley who smoked straight up Perique soaked in rum. That, that guy was out of his mind. Um, hmm. But generally it's you know, just a few percent in the blend. If you get much higher than that, it overtakes the blend. It's no longer a condiment. Well, I uh, I would imagine then that uh, you would know an awful lot if it uh, if it was in this cigar heavy-handedly. So you would, and, and that actually it, it's a small portion of the blend. It's not bold. It's not knocking on the door of you know making you sick with its <laughs> cloyingness, sure, cloying sure. cloying acidity. Um, ah, um, <laughs> but the, the, let me go back just for, just for one second. When I said, I'm not sure about its identity, that has nothing to do with the quantity of Andujo in this cigar. It's because there are two other countries in there. And if you call something the Dominican DNA, to me, it should be a, a Dominican Puro. That makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Just me. I don't know anything. Well, I won't disagree with you there. And uh, hopefully the on that note of agreement, um, we can move on to this final news story here, which is not so much of a news story, but more of a, a PSA. Um, there is a new cigar movie that uh, is out or is coming out or has a website and is being uh, pimped around a little bit. To be completely honest, I don't know. What I can tell you is that if you go to the website, handrolledmovie.com, the homepage has the large print, bold text, a film about cigars. Uh, and that's kind of the tagline, uh, the the mantra, you might say, for the uh, the movie poster, the movie logo. I, I've read through this website. I, I've watched the the trailer for this movie. I can't really tell you what the movie is about, other than just cigars, cigars in general, the industry. Maybe it's also about. Uh, the the current state of the industry with the FDA's kind of oversight that that is looming and and with the idea of so many of these these new school names uh, from the late 90s and early early aughts to uh, make a name for themselves kind of what they think the industry is um, the interesting part about this film to me is that it is not you know two random guys without any connection or uh, ability to um, speak to the people who are actually the movers and shakers, the the sponsors, the affiliates, or the contributors, whatever the proper term would be, um, right off the bat are are some pretty well known uh, folks. 
the biggest and uh, most prevalent name on the um, uh, on this list is Tatuaje. Um, another is Daniel Marshall, and another is Foundation Cigar Company. So these are not these are not newbies. These are not guys who just want to do something about cigars who are in uh, involved in the film industry. This appears to be um, something that you know maybe uh, maybe has some solid backing. Maybe this is a voice. Maybe this is uh, kind of a, a grassroots idea to put the voice out there um, of what the industry feels, what the industry thinks. The trailer shows. Rocky Patel, Daniel Marshall, I believe it's Daniel Marshall. Um, Rocky Patel, Daniel Marshall, Pete Johnson, um, uh, Pepin Garcia, um, a number of other uh, manufacturers and uh, and brand owners talking about the industry, what it means, what it was, what it now is. Um, and it, it seems like something I would really enjoy seeing, but it seems like something I would really enjoy seeing because I'm already sold. I'm their, their, you know, uh, if you're going to make a superhero movie, I'm the 13-year-old boy who goes out with his friends over summer to watch it. Obviously, I'm going to see it. I'm not the, the 25-year-old housewife who, you know, knows nothing about cigars but gets intrigued because this seems to be a really uh, interesting topic and a wonderful film or a great trailer. I don't really know what they're trying to say because everything that it appears that they are saying is, is like preaching to the choir. You know, you're talking about how amazing the industry is and how um, much it has changed and developed in the last 50 years, 55 years or so. Um, And kind of hinting on what could be in the future, but hinting on it in, in more of a, a uh, hyperbolic idea of, Hey, what if I believe Rocky Patel says something like cigars are so special. Uh, what if president Trump sat down with, um, president Putin, uh, to try to resolve their problems. Okay. Now what if they did it with a cigar in their hand with a cigar, there would be much higher likelihood of success. That's kind of what the sound bites are in the trailer. It just seems like a, a movie filled with sound bites for fanboys without really breaking ground or pushing the envelope uh, or educating where we otherwise um, were uneducated. So I, I encourage you all to go to handrolledmovie.com, put in a, an email address to stay um, abreast of the situation and aware of all their um, uh, future marketing or I guess the dissemination of this movie. However, it uh, will be, um, will be shown. There is nothing right now on the website on, under the events page. Um, there's a couple things for merchandise and donations, but other than that, there's, there's really not too much else that's there, but it's enough to be intriguing. Um, and I would love if, uh, this turns into something that's unexpected and unexpectedly good for all of us. So wanted to share it and wanted to kind of open the dialogue to, you know, maybe have anybody join us on uh, halfash.com, the forum at halfash.com. If you have thoughts or if you have opinions or if you know a little bit about this or, hell, if you're even the the uh, two directors, the, you know, let me get to the homepage. I don't recall their names. I have to go to their headshots. Uh, Jesse Marriott or Marut and Steve Garabine. 
uh, Jerobin. They are co-directors of this film. And uh, I'd love to hear from them and, and have all of us kind of learn something about what's, what's going on here. So, hmm. I don't know. It'd be interesting to, uh, to see where this goes. Cool. Yeah, I wonder what the uh, distribution is going to be. Is it going to be like a movie in theaters or shown? I see a note on their website and they can do events like broadcast it in a shop or how that's going to work. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I really don't know. Cool. Well, let's jump into what else we've been smoking, seeing as how I have nothing on the list. And you got a couple, and, uh, and then wrap up with this cigar because I'm almost finished with it. That sounds uh, that sounds fair to Midland. How's that? Perfect. Well, the first I will talk about was a new cigar to me. Um, it is the Southern Draw, Connecticut. Now, Southern Draw is not a cigar that should be new to anyone who's a listener of this show. Um, we. Uh, we have smoked and talked about Southern Dry, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. But haven't we had, excuse me, interviews uh, about um, Southern Dry? Interviews with, uh, I'm going to forget his name. Robert Robert Holt. Thank you, Robert Holt. Episode 112. There you go. Um, you know, Southern Draws are interesting cigars in that they are tied pretty tightly to AJ Fernandez, not completely, I, I don't believe, but pretty tightly to AJ. And in the past, most of those cigars have tasted like they've come from the AJ Fernandez factory. Um, I, I think that this cigar, how do I put this? Um, it's reminiscent of being a, an AJ Fernandez produced stick while not being, while not, absolutely um, telegraphing that that's what it is and where it's from. It's different. It's milder. It's sweeter. It's more refined. Um, I'm definitely going to have more of these. I, I don't know their, their price point, but what I can tell you is that I love the size. I believe it's called the, a Panatella for them, but it's roughly a you know 38 by 6, maybe a 40 by 6. Um, something like that Demi Lance, the short Lancero size. Um, it burned great. It tasted great. It was not too overpowering to somebody who had not had a lot of cigars in the past couple weeks. Um, really highly recommended. A great, great sweetness without having a great, great mild sweetness, mild strength, but um, very full flavored without having that Connecticut leaf tang or tartness, um, the dryness from tannins that typically uh, it comes for me when you have a Connecticut wrapped cigar. So I, I dig it. It was uh, very surprising. Sorry, I was muted. I like those as well. I, I actually have not smoked any of the Southern Draws I haven't enjoyed, but I, I'm a big A.J. Fernandez fan. Yeah, and I don't, I can't think of any that I have not enjoyed either. But I don't, I don't reach for them over some other AJ products, if that makes right. sense. Yep, I got you. You know, there's, they're fine, they're good. Um, this one's, uh, this one I would reach for over other AJ products, 
when looking for this from a cigar. If I want a mild, full-flavored cigar, you know what? This is approaching the La Tradition de Cuba Lonsdales that I love so much. Mild, full-flavored, none of that Connecticut crisp bite that I don't love. Um, great cigar. I like it. Yes, sir. Well, I have added one to the list because we talked about it before we started recording, and I had forgotten it. But uh, and this is also from D.C. Dan Crouch sent me a very, very generous package uh, while I was stateside back in the summer. And inside was a five-pack of, well, there were a number of things, but in, included in the package was a five-pack of the Jesus Fuego Connoisseur um, Originals, the little rustic-looking uh, taster kind of cigars. Uh, I think he started selling those, if I remember the story right, because it's what he smokes around the factory when he's trying out new blends or whatever. Um, but they're just rough and tumble kind of construction but very well done and i talked about this connoisseur blend because in 2013 i randomly walked up to the jesus fuego booth and he's hanging around it was near the end of the show and you know the crowd had kind of petered out and he's just hanging around so i sat down and he said hey can i get you a fresh cigar and i never wanted to turn down a fresh cigar so i said of course mm -hmm. And he pulls out this cigar. It's like five by 60 or something. And I said, okay. And he, he said, well, I guess he read my face because I'm not a big ring guy. <laughs> I, I just said, well, yeah, I don't generally smoke bigger ring cigars just in conversation while we were smoking. them. And he's like, yeah, I really would like for you to smoke this one because I don't either. I don't like big cigars, but I really like this blend. And I think it really works in this, this, this size and I sat there and talked to him for a while and smoked it and was more than impressed. I really enjoyed that cigar and for one that size to overcome that hurdle because it is a hurdle for me. I just don't reach for or buy bigger ring cigars. Uh oh. Did we lose Kip? Oh, all right. Nope. Sorry. Kip's still here. I'm still here. Uh I don't know what happened. Google decided to mute me. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, sir, I can. Okay. Um, I really enjoyed the cigar. That was a fantastic blend. And for some reason, a few shows back before the summer, I made mention of that blend and that exact story and that I'd really enjoyed it, but had somehow let it fall off my radar and had not reached for one and, and committed to going to find some and, and, see what how they were doing these days so dc sent me some in these uh, smaller corona-ish size and i lit one up this week and man it was just like i remembered it was a fantastic cigar it, it was um uh, it, it, it was not overly strong but of course it was a corona size so it's not it's not pounding you with you know three ounces of tobacco uh, but at the same time, it it was no secret you're smoking a cigar. You're not going to forget about it. it it's it's had enjoyable, uh, um, very very light cocoa, but more woodsy kind of core flavors. And I really dug it. And I got a few left. And I have a feeling I made a note on the forum that when I next time I'm stateside, I'm going to invest in some of those to bring back because they're very inexpensive. And I thought 
the, the value for what you can buy those things for is fantastic. Hmm. You know, I, you posted something on the forum uh-huh. about how you didn't say harsh, but you said abrupt or something that, that would be akin to harsh, but perhaps sounded a little more, <laughs> a little kinder. Uh, do you remember what you said exactly? Uh, no, but I can find it pretty quickly. I bet. Well, it, it, it's more, um, I'll, I'll just poke fun at you a little bit that, if you if you assume that what you said was something akin to harsh, um, you were giving you were praising this oh, cigar. It is. I, I said they're a little rough around the edges and not a finesse, not not a finesse cigar. They're kind of like me. Okay, so rough around the edges and not a finesse cigar. I don't think it could have been named any worse than connoisseur <laughs> at well, that I'm, point. I don't believe this size was introduced initially in this line. I think they were all big ring. All I believe they were all 60 ring cigars, just in varying lengths. And then this little uh, original size came out subsequently. But it wasn't the original. I'm the original Vitola was not out of it uh, initially. If that, I believe I'm, almost certain the connoisseur line launched with just big ring cigars. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I learned something every day. Well, you can't trust my memory. Yeah, I don't. I'm just pacifying you. Hey, I got to say, I have had several bits of tobacco come out of this thing in the past five minutes. I'm telling you, it has got to be a sandwich or a hand-finished cigar. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm down now to the the nitty gritty. I've only got maybe an inch and a quarter left of this cigar. Well, I will. Uh, <clears throat> I will share my second cigar here because it will go quick, um, and then we can kind of get into the grand unveiling and our final wrap up of this stick, and uh, send everybody off at about ninety minutes. Let's shoot for that. So, um, my second one, as I alluded in, I believe our intro is another Cabaguan Maduro, uh, this being another Guapo. Um, I believe that's the Vitola. It's the small guy, the shorter Corona, uh, the the Trey Petit Corona. Um, I had another one of these again. Yes, I know we've been tortured by the unbandeds of these Cabaguan Maduros, and yes, I know I've said that it's one of my favorite cigars uh, for just being the perfect soldier. It's always there, does what you want. Uh, exactly how you want it done. Well, there is no way that we misdiagnosed this cigar two or three times as the unbanded. (laughs) Smoking this, it was exactly what I remember. Chocolate, cherry sweetness, tobacco, just awesome. Just so, so familiar to me. It's like sliding on a glove for anybody except OJ Simpson. It fit perfectly. So somebody must be playing with our palates here because I, I, I don't know, man. This thing was like riding a bicycle, lit it up, and I was instantly back to knowing exactly what I had. But, you know. <laughs> it's funny how that works when it has the band on it. <laughs> may, maybe it's just a conspiracy. Maybe it's all in my mind. We'll see. But I knew what it was. Well, I would hope so. Yeah, I didn't forget how to read, so. 
<laughs> All right. What's your what's your wrap up on this stick? Well, I just put it down, and like, like I just mentioned, maybe an inch or just a little more left in it. Um, it didn't stray too far from the character of the flavors we talked about earlier, but its intensity definitely picked up a notch for me. It became more, um, maybe a little bit sharper kind of citrus, and maybe even... Like I just mentioned, the woodsy core flavors in the Jesus Fuego, maybe a little bit more of that. Um, never developed the sweetness much for me beyond the initial uh, inch or so of the cigar. It was still there, it mostly gone though by the end. Um, didn't get harsh. It was just just time to put the cigar down. I enjoyed it, and it. Uh, I still would say it's one of the better unbandeds that uh, that I've smoked for in a while. And I'm kind of excited to see where it's from. I think I I ended up feeling like maybe I was a little more strongly in the Nicaraguan camp as far as a guess. Um, don't think I'm so bold as to try and pick a manufacturer. I do think it's Nicaraguan. I think still think there was some Dominican tobacco in there, but you know, I've been wrong so many times. I, it's hard to even say at this point. You know, um, <clears throat> I'll say a couple things. Um, I'm smoking my second one of these. I'm finishing up my second one of these right now. Uh, I don't know if you were sent two of them or not, but, um, I was, but this was the first, uh, this second one is more abrupt. It has less of the softer citrus. It's a little bit, a little bit stronger, definitely. Um, definitely stronger on the retrohale. That's kind of what the abrupt is meant to convey. Um, I do not like it as much as the first one, but it is not putting as much um, tobacco into my mouth. Now, um, that said, I have... I, I really don't know the manufacturer here. Um, I do think it's absolutely Nicaraguan. Uh, both of these are coming across as Nicaragua. Um, <clears throat> so I will say, uh, let me let me throw out a couple quick hits here. Um, I don't think it's Nicaragua in that it's a well-known blender. I don't think that this is Pepin. I don't think that this is, um, uh, I don't know, a Rocky production or a Rocky uh, offering. Um, I would say this is probably more akin to a smaller manufacturer, um, that, that tends to seem, uh, to line up with what I'm getting. It is new school, but it's new school with a little bit more, uh, not new school falling completely under that umbrella. It's a little bit different. I think, um, I would guess that this is probably a value cigar knowing that DC sent it. He loves kind of, uh, widening our our field of vision a little bit with cigars we perhaps overlooked because they're generally bundle or lesser expensive or uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, value. value. Yep. Value cigars. So I am going to say that this is probably a sandwich being that it's a sandwich and the size that it is. Um, yeah, uh, I, I agree. I did not feel that way or didn't experience the same as you early on, but by the end I was getting just, every puff puff coming away with bits of tobacco out of the back of it. 
Not enough so, that it just destroyed the experience for me. I still enjoyed the cigar. I didn't think uh, early on I was encouraged by that citrus flavor, but the fact that the sweetness didn't develop more, it became a little bit muddled almost. Not 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 terribly so, but it, it didn't it didn't shine with some brilliant flavor. I think your guess on being a smaller manufacturer maybe that. Um, deals with the tobacco they have available and maybe not quite the repertoire of a bigger manufacturer. I think that, that may be the case. Hmm. So I, I, I'm going to throw some things out there. Um, and I want to know if any of this maybe uh, lines up with you. The sandwich cigar that's based on the Liga Provada from Drew Estate, what's that called? Papas Frita? Uh, Papas Fritas. So, so yeah. this could be a Papas Fritas in that that is uh, a large percentage Nicaraguan. Um, I don't know if the Batola lines up, but I don't think that it's a Papas Fritas because they're expensive, and I don't think DC smokes those. Yeah, I don't. I think they were quite a bit smaller than this. Oh, they were? Okay, I thought they were Robusto-ish. They could be. I don't know. I never really got into them. Okay, what about the um, Illusion uh, sandwich? What was that called? I don't remember. Um, I don't know that I ever smoked a sandwich, a Cuban sandwich from Illusion. So I'm going to bank that that is not this because those cigars tend to have um, uh, a similar vein to what I have kind of come to be familiar with, with uh, some of the tobacco of origin that, uh, that they contain. Um, one of the other sandwich cigars, which might line up well, um, aren't the, isn't there a sandwich from Asylum? There is. I don't remember it, what it's called. They do make a cigar. Uh, isn't it like the schizophrenic or something? They have a cigar called the Schizo, I think. I thought that those... When I was in uh, the... um, Not the Cigar Safari. The Cigar BQ, a big annual party from uh, Old Pirate. The Dogwatch, Old Pirate of of Dogwatch acclaim. um, I went to some of their local cigar stores. And they were real big, I believe, on the Asylum and the Schizos. Or Schizo, that's what it is. Um... I think it could be a schizo um, if that's the sandwich that I'm recalling because I think those are Nicaraguan and their value. Um, so that's another one I could consider. Um, otherwise, it could be like a one-off Cigars International uh, Nicaraguan bundle cigar, something like that, um, which I wouldn't be able to pinpoint at all. And Cigars International... Um, uh, JR cigars, any of those companies, that type of distributor. But yeah, I, I think it's probably going to fall into one of those categories. The schizo could, uh, could make a lot of sense because I bet it's inexpensive um, and it is Nicaraguan. Uh, but I, I don't think that's what it is. I'm just saying that just by deductive reasoning. So yeah, you are bold. I certainly couldn't get that kind of granularity. Uh, Nicaraguan I'm with early on, like I said, I still really thought there was some Dominican tobacco in there, but that flavor did 
pretty much fade away by the end, but I do think it's predominantly Nicaraguan tobacco anyway. I, I got no clue as far as a brand and mark. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know Asylum stuff very well. I know I generally don't. Uh, haven't loved a couple of the things that we've had. We've, you know, we've had those as cigars of the week in the past. Um, I don't even know. Does Asylum own their own factory? Who makes Asylum? Do you know? Uh, is it CLE? Then they share a booth for a while. You know what? It might be CLE. Arroyo, right? Yeah. Uh, though then, would it be Honduran tobacco? I don't know. I don't know. I, you know what? I have this thing in my head that when I smoke a, a cigar that is largely Honduran, it has a particular aroma. And I, I didn't get that in this cigar, but what do I know? Well, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to make a guess that it's one cigar over another, but knowing that, knowing who sent it, knowing what the the parameters typically are when he's sending something to us, um, knowing what I'm getting out of this cigar, Nicaragua sandwich, um, likely inexpensive. I think the schizo or schizoid is a sandwich and it's Nicaraguan um, and it's inexpensive. So I would, uh, I'm just going to throw all that together. So we'll see how we'll see what sticks. You want to open it up or you want me to find ours? Sure. (laughs) Never going to get your head through the door. It's a freaking schizo. Get out of here. Really? Yeah. Wow. From Dan Crouch. Number one, 12, 2016. Schizo 5x50. Here's the band for those who are seeing the video. Mick Miller. And he's got a few paragraphs here. He says, says, the Schizo 5x50 Robusto. Well, I think it's the classic Schizo. The Abano-wrapped mixed filler Nicaraguan Puro that plays its part of the the Tatuaje white label, but in the Asylum family. Normally sold two to three dollars a stick, matzos of twenty. The problem: look at the cigar. If the banding, the matzo packaging, and his bill didn't say they were original line, he would have sworn they were the schizo maduro, which is true. They were fairly dark in yeah, color. Yeah. Um, uh, if it were the schizo maduro, it would have a San Andres wrapper over Honduran mixed feel made at the LA. El Aladino factory in Honduras, uh, which is a CLE factory, and would have had the word Maduro written on the bands and packaging. So the classic schizo is a Nicaraguan puro, is a mixed filler cigar, and is the schizo robusto, just like you called. I cannot believe that. Wow. Dang, I almost have some respect for you now. Uh, broken clock, blind squirrel, <laughs> you name yeah. it. Even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. Yeah, they're, they're, you know, whether you're from north or south of the Mason-Dixon, you have your own variation of that, sir. <laughs> I, I would uh, I would never be able to pick this cigar out of a lineup. It's it's just more in line with with what all the, uh, the variables lead to. Um, I think this wrapper on the second one. Oh, jeez, I just ashed all over myself. I think this wrapper on the second one is is 
definitely thicker than the first. The first was darn near tissue paper, but dark with no oil. The second one is, is thicker. It's oilier. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's no doubt in my mind that these things were a sandwich. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that that probably gave it away. You really don't have a whole ton of cigars out there that are sandwiched these days. So it is a Christian Aroa cigar. There you go. Wow. I am impressed. We have not had a, an unbanded that either of us got <laughs> to that close, maybe ever, but that certainly in a long time. Well, that just means, folks, for everybody who's listening, uh, you are set up for some fun times and all the future unbandeds, because if we get one of these every three years, boy, oh boy, you got a lot of shows where we screw it up coming up for, uh, in the near future. <laughs> Undoubtedly. Oh, bravo me. All right. Yeah. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> we'll go upstairs and uh, boast to the little lady. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I said it. I'll live with it. Yeah, you get shot down. <laughs> <laughs> well, on, uh, on that high note, we better not do very much else uh, that I can make a fool of myself with so shall we close out on a high note here yeah let's do it we uh have a little bit of a scheduling snafu snafu in that we are not entirely certain what our next cigar of the week's going to be we we have a uh, pretty lengthy list but had a little bit of confusion on the next one we're going to have to sort out so the next cigar of the week for episode 167 is yet to be determined so uh, we'll invite you to come back and See what we uh, what we pull out of the old humidor next time around. Uh, but uh, if you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, like always, you can find us at the forum at halfashed.com or by email to Craig at halfashed.com or Kip at halfashed.com. Um, and you can find us through all the normal social media methods: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, yada yada, and of course, again, the forum uh, where we hang out on occasion and like to chatterbox with a few other like-minded individuals and uh, we'd like to invite you to come hang out with us. Absolutely. I feel like Ned Flanders there. <laughs> well, folks, it's uh, it's been another fun evening and uh, a shocking evening to, I'm sure everyone, myself included, especially with the reveal of that on Bandit. Um, well, I'm going to live this one up for the next few shows. I can guarantee it. Let me tell you. Yeah. We're going to hit 10 years from now. You're like, remember that time? My hell, yeah, man. <laughs> Folks, let me give you a, a little uh, a little preview of the next episode of Half Ash. This is episode 167, the one after I nailed the unbanded. <laughs> Uh, no, we, uh, we want to make sure that everybody knows, especially Dan Crouch, how much we appreciate them listening and contributing to the show in whatever way they do. And in the words of our wonderful, wonderful mentor, Mr. Dale Roush, good night, everybody. And thanks for listening. <laughs>